Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Lavender Woman Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day, out of your busy schedule to be with us here in the Lavender Woman community. I know when you hear the name Lavender Woman, it's not common. It's not something that when you hear it, you know exactly what it is. So I will give you a quick overview of exactly what a Lavender Woman is. I I do encourage you to go back and listen to all the previous episodes. Episode one, the introduction episode gives a in-depth, like very detailed description and meaning behind the concept of the Lavender Woman. But I will give you just a quick, 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 quick overview at this time before getting started with this week's episode. Y'all, this week is going to be really good, but just quickly for those who may be new here to the Lavender Woman community. So this is a rather new podcast. Um, This is episode seven, I think. Do not quote me on that. I'm, I'm guessing. We've only been around for, you know, several weeks and it's just been a blessing in my life. Honestly, it's giving me my mojo back. It's giving me my juice back and I'm just honored to be your podcast host. So a lavender woman is a woman who embraces um, refinement and grace and elegance. And we are working towards bettering ourselves so that we can better our families and our communities and those who are walking alongside with us. There are 47 known species of lavender and they all grow different and distinct flowers, beautiful flowers. So each week we'll be seed planting. We'll be planting seeds of lavender. Uh, We will also call that segment our seeds of intention. So each week we'll be planting seeds of intention, intention, excuse me. We're going to be watering them and watching them grow um, into the purpose that is attached to our lives. So that's a quick overview. As I stated before, please go back and listen to all the previous episodes. If you have not, it really, it makes sense, you know, more sense if you go back and listen to it because I go into a much um, broader detail as to what a lavender woman is. But for this week, this episode, guys, um, for me, it's very personal and I I know a lot of people, women especially, who are going through exactly what we are going to discuss this week. So when I say the the term, automatically you're going to know what I'm talking about. Just be a little open-minded as I get to where I'm intending to go with this week's topic. So when I say identity theft, you automatically are like, oh my goodness, she's been a victim of identity theft. And with all of the technology and like scammers and different hackers and things, identity theft has really just been on the rise, you know, the past maybe decade or so. And we have had that happen to us before, maybe not to the extent of someone completely stealing our identity. But I remember we were on our way um, on vacation. We were actually headed to the airport and um, I have all of my credit unions like numbers saved in my cell phone. So when I saw the number pop up on my phone, I automatically thought, what, why are they calling me? And when I answered, they said, hey, um, you know, this is such and such calling from such and such credit union. Um, we just want to make sure that you made this purchase for X amount of dollars at this particular store. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm headed to the airport on vacation. How much was the purchase? And I just remember freaking out because we were literally en route to the airport. Um, but they were very supportive. Um, they told us, don't worry about vacation. Go and enjoy yourself. You know, the fraud team will be taking care of this issue for you. We'll be in contact if we need to speak with you further. And when I, you know, heard them say the fraud team will be handling the situation, I was just like, wow, like times have gotten so rough with 
people's identities and people's um, confidential information that fraud teams are necessary in certain businesses and establishments. And when I thought about that scenario and when I thought about identity theft and fraud, it made me think about it in a different perspective. So let's not think about it from the perspective of your bank account or your credit cards or your social security number, but let's think of it in the concept of self. Identity theft of self. Yep, I said it. So this week, we're not talking about someone stealing your credit card information. We're not talking about that lump sum of money that mysteriously went missing out of your savings account. No, no. We're talking about the fraud that is sometimes ourselves. When you look at the definition of identity theft, it is the fraudulent acquisition of a person's private identifying info, usually for financial gain. So being that we're not talking about that distinct type of identity theft today, what should the definition be for identity theft of self? This is my definition, and I want to put this disclaimer out there before we go any further into this week's episode. I am not a professional. I'm not licensed. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I have no degree in mental health and psychology and psychiatry, any of that. What I have is life experiences, and I have a ton of them. So um, my PhD is in life, okay? So I just want to put that disclaimer out there because we are going to be talking about some some things that could lean towards um, possibly mental health and depression and things like that. So I just want to let you guys know I'm, I'm no professional. I'm speaking from experience and things that I've learned along the way to help aid me in my journey. So getting back to what I feel the definition of identity theft of self is, this is what I came up with. This could be, this could not apply to you. You could like some portions of it and maybe not all, but this is the definition that I connected to. Identity theft of self is the fraudulent portrayal of a variant version of yourself in order to escape your current situation. Let's take a minute. Let that sink in. One thing about this podcast that I love when I'm hosting by myself or when we have our special um, guest hosts and our co-hosts is that We are transparent on this podcast. We tell hard truths, we tell ugly truths, but we tell our truths. So when I was formulating that definition and it said a fraudulent portrayal of a variant version of myself in order to escape my current situation, that makes me a fraud. I'm not being myself. I'm not being true to who I am. I'm being someone completely different. So the question that I'm going to pose in the beginning of this episode that hopefully by the end of the episode we will have um, more clarity on is who are you? And I'm going to add this to that question. Who were you? Before life changed you. Because when life changed us, when that thing came along that shook us to our core, that's when the identity theft stepped in. That was when we felt that we could no longer be the person that we used to be because this thing was so massive. It was so traumatic that it changed everything about us. Looking back over the past few years of my life specifically, I would look in the mirror 
every single day, every morning, exactly, as I'm getting ready for work. And I did not recognize the person staring back at me. I looked like myself. My features were the same. It was almost like a a body snatcher situation. You know, for those who are into sci-fi, it was like a doppelganger. It was someone who, who looked like me, but it was just something a little off with them. They, they weren't quite me. That's how I felt. And I remember sitting in therapy about a year ago trying to convince my therapist that 2016 was the year that I lost my identity and that I no longer knew who I was or where I was headed or what I was doing or any of the above. And my therapist was like, child bye. And I'm looking at her like, how can you tell me? I've been living this life for 30 plus years. I know what broke me. I know what situation it was. And she said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. You have to go back many years to find your identity. What happened to you a few years ago was like that that push over the cliff, like the tip of the iceberg. And it was traumatic and it was painful. And that set you back in your recovery. However, you lost yourself over 20 years ago. And when I really thought about what she said, because she's factoring in all of the information from our previous sessions, she was right. So how is it that one can walk around for 20 plus years as a variant of themselves, as a alternative version of themselves. You know, you hear the words and the terms when it comes to identity, such as um, imposter syndrome. That's like one term. And that is described as a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts his or her accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. I can definitely say for many years I was living as an imposter. I was so afraid that someone was going to call me out on my fraud on being this version of myself that wasn't real, that wasn't true. That you learn how to mask it. You learn how to put up this facade. You learn, you become so skilled at being the other version of yourself that you actually forget how to be the true version of you. It's mind-blowing. I literally felt hoodwinked and bamboozled sitting in my therapy session when the light bulb went off. As Oprah says, when I had that aha moment, it was like, wait a second. I don't even know how to get back to that person. I don't even know who she is anymore because I've been this person and putting up this imposter syndrome and this front and this facade and this this face that didn't even belong to me for so long. How do you get back there? Other people may feel like, I don't think I've been, you know, suffering from an imposter syndrome. I mean, I've been going through some changes. I haven't felt like myself. Maybe you can identify more with an identity crisis. That is defined as a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically due to a change in their expected aims or roles in society. So, signs that you are struggling from identity theft of self, identity crisis, 
on imposter syndrome. Like we're gonna we're gonna dig deep this week, guys. Like get your pen, get your pencil, get your journal out. I don't know what you need to do, but we're gonna dig deep because we are destined for greatness. And in order to become the greatest versions of ourselves, we have to clean up the areas in our lives that are hindering us from being those versions. So signs of the identity theft of self, the imposter syndrome, the identity crisis, just a few signs, not all. And as I stated before, the disclaimer, I'm not a professional, but some signs would be, are you constantly questioning who you are? I would have these conversations with myself like, who am I? As a believer, I knew that I was a child of God. I didn't feel like one. As a wife and a mother, I knew I was a wife and a mother, but I felt that I was failing horribly in both of those roles. I was constantly questioning, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You may also experience great personal and professional conflict. It's like you're not vibing with anyone about anything, whether it's personal, whether it's at home, with your family, with your friends, whether it's at work. You're just beefing with everybody. The slightest thing, the smell of their coffee, the sound of their laugh, that you're struggling internally when those type of things occur. Also, you could have suffered some major changes in your life. Divorce, um, maybe a sudden relocation, um, the death of a loved one, issues with your children, or maybe bad news concerning your health, all of those things can contribute to you not being able to identify with yourself anymore because you put up a wall and you shut everything out, including the truest version of yourself in order to cope. And also, I think if you're constantly searching, I found myself never being fulfilled, never quite being happy. And we all know that material things, no matter the multitude of material things that you have, material things does not bring the substance of happiness. So if you're constantly searching, if you feel like you just never quite make it to that happy place, you're just constantly on a search, on a search, on a search, you could be suffering in your identity. So let's unpack this thing. We've talked about identity theft of self and what that is. We've talked about signs that you may be suffering or going through that. But I mean, what else can we share to really help us to heal those areas of our lives and to get back to being the person we were? So the one thing I had to tell myself and others, because how we speak to ourselves is just as important as how we allow others to speak to us. I had to be careful of how I spoke about me, to me. And I had to have boundaries in place for others and how they spoke to me and of me. And I tell people all the time, be careful how you speak about me. I pray. And, you know, it sounds catchy. It sounds like a, you know, a, a snapback. But, no, I'm being very serious about that. Be very careful of how you speak of yourself to yourself, especially. Because your mind, when you're speaking those negative thoughts about yourself to yourself, you are not going, your mind is not going to be able to distinguish that those things aren't true because it's you speaking it to yourself. So be careful. Also, what I've learned on this journey of healing from my identity theft of myself is that your trauma is your treasure. 
That sounds crazy. Y'all are probably like, what is she talking about? Trauma? So listen, just stay with me. No one loves their trauma, but it's your treasure. No one is walking around like, girl, let me tell you about my trauma. My trauma is everything. When I wake up in the morning, I thank my trauma. I hug my trauma. My trauma got me up, started me on my way. No, 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 no. That's not at all what I'm saying. But your trauma is your treasure. Because when that trauma struck your life, that is the moment in time in which you changed. That moment of time stays there, almost like frozen in time, until you are strong enough, brave enough, and have healed yourself to the point where you can go back and get your treasure that you left behind. Because see, sometimes life gets so crazy, y'all, and so chaotic and so ruthless. We take one blow to the face and we're like, wait a second. Don't be scarring up my face. I'm trying to preserve my sexy. And you hitting me in my face. So when that trauma struck our lives and we took that blow to the face and it might have put a little gash, you know, on our cheekbone or below our eye or above our eye, you're like, oh, I'm out. And nine times out of 10, when you roll out, you left everything behind. Everything mean, meaning you, the truest versions of you, the things that you held dearly to your heart, those parts of you that you can't find where you're going because you were so desperate and so eager to get out when the trauma hit you. I get it. I did the exact same thing. So the whole, the intention of this episode is for us to heal that so that we can go back and get the best versions of, of ourselves and move forward. Because the person that you left behind, believe it or not, is going to propel you into your healing. She really is. That, that person you left behind. Some of us, we left behind little girls because something traumatic happened in our childhoods. And we were out. We had to grow up faster than we should have. We had to make decisions that we weren't old enough and mature enough and wise enough to make. And we were out. Some of us, our young adult life was horrible. So we chug up the deuce and say, you know what? Peace. You still need that person. Because you have been operating with parts of you. And the thing about when you are suffering in an identity crisis or the identity theft of yourself, the thing about it is that you've always had a crown on your head. I don't want you to feel less than. You are royalty. You've always had a, a crown on your head. But the thing about identity theft of self is that you are walking around with this crown on your head and it's missing jewels and gems and that thing is tarnished and it's dirty. And you walking around thinking you cute and thinking you fly when you are literally walking around and people are looking at you like you're crazy and you're defensive, like, why are they looking at me like that? Why are they looking at me like that? Sometimes it's because they can see the parts of you that are broken that you have ignored. And when you constantly, constantly, constantly deny something, you will push it so far out of your memory that you forget to go back and check on it. So sometimes when people are looking at you sideways, people with good intentions, of course, it's not because, you know, they have a, an issue with you or a, it's a jealousy trait or anything like that. It's because they see the parts of you that you don't see. So you've always had the crown. That's not up for debate. But you don't realize how dirty it is, how broken it is. How dusty it is until you take it off. The crown will show you the aftermath of your life. Take your crown off and examine it. See what's missing from your crown. So I want to give you some steps to heal to conquer, to overcome 
identity theft of self. And if we don't heal these areas, if we don't start the journey to healing, these areas can lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety, to like more serious mental health crisis. We have to be careful. We have to be intentional. And if you feel like you're already at that point, there's so many different resources out here for you. Please connect with someone that can help you. So the first step I, I did, and like I said, this is my personal, what I've learned on my personal journey. This is that list was that I had to look inward. And looking inward for me meant I had to speak my truth. I had to speak my truth with my voice trembling, with my hands shaking, with my heart racing. But looking inward and speaking my truth set me free. And again, this is my truth. It is not the truth. It is not your truth. It's my truth. And when you speak your truth, that is your truth. It is not my truth or your sister's truth or your husband's truth. It belongs to you. Own it. Speak it even if you're terrified. You also have to know what broke you to begin with. Because that thing that broke you is what sent you into that identity theft. So you have to know what broke you. One of my good, good girlfriends, um, she had a meme on her page a few weeks ago now. And when I read it, in that moment, it was everything. I literally stopped what I was doing. I read it several times. When I got home from work that day, I wrote it in my journal. I journaled about it a little bit. And I was like, I have to share this with the podcast. And she's so dope, you guys. She will be joining us in the next few weeks. Like We have been fasting and praying and meditating over the subject that we're going to discuss together. She is such a dope so I will not give it away, but she'll be with us in the next few weeks or so. Um, but she had this, um, and I want to tell you more about the fast that we're doing at the end of this episode, if you would like to join us. But um, she had this meme on her page, and when I read it, oh my goodness. So it read this. Do not just slay your demons dissect them and find out what they've been feeding on y'all like pause seriously let's take like a, a five second moment of silence did y'all hear what i said okay i'm gonna say it again just in case you didn't catch it i'm gonna say it a little bit slower the meme said do not just slay your demons dissect them and find out what they've been feeding on it was everything when I saw it I had to share this with you guys because when I was pondering this week's topic and when you are creative your mind never turns off I'm awakened out of my sleep multiple times a week with thoughts and with ideas because that's just the way a creative mind works so when this thought for this week came across my mind, that meme also immediately um, came into my mind as well. And I said, oh no, I have to connect this. I, I have to. Um, there's no way I cannot share this with the Lavender Woman community. So knowing what broke you, that's the connection to the dissecting your demons meme. Because something is feeding feeding your demons. Nothing grows unless you feed it. So knowing what broke you will help you get back to the truest version of yourself. So when you dissect your demons, like you literally have to cut those bad boys open. You have to reach your hands and you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. Yes, boo, I understand you just got your fresh new set 
your fresh gel mani and your nails are popping. Shout out to my nail tech because she keeps my nails fresh. But when it comes to the dirty work, the nails are not a factor. I'm digging my hands in. I'm getting my hands dirty. I need to know what these demons have been feeding on because they have been fed, they are growing, and they still exist. I have to cut off the food supply. You have to starve your demons, okay? They could be feeding on things such as guilt, insecurities, trauma, so many different things. What are you feeding your, demon, your demons that they're still growing? No, we're going to cut the food supply today. And the thing about it is, and see, this is going to, this is going to hurt. This is going to be one of those step on your toes moment. Ouch, I didn't like that. But it's true. I found it true in my life. Sometimes you're not the one that's feeding your demons. Yep, I said it. I said it because it's true. Sometimes you're doing the work. You found a counselor, a therapist. You're in therapy weekly. Sometimes I've had to go twice a week because my life was a hot mess. You're reading the self-help books. The self-help books. You are meditating. You are fasting. You are praying. You are not watching television. You are not listening to like trap music right now. No offense to trap music. I love Jesus and trap music. But it's like... You're doing the work. Why aren't these things that are possessing you, these demons, these things that are keeping you from being your true identity, why aren't they going away? Why does it seem like they're gaining weight and they're just festering all in your life? Those, they should be starving by now because I'm doing the work. I'm putting in the work and I'm being intentional with it. So what's happening? Sometimes the people around you could be feeding your demons. Huh? What? Yes. How is that possible? They're my demons. They belong to me. You know how it's possible? Because those people that you allow in your intimate, your most intimate areas of your life, they know everything about you, your ups, your downs, your trials, your tribulations, your traumas, your heartbreaks, your everything. They know. They know what to feed the demons because they know everything about you. Your vibe is your tribe. Be mindful of that. If you're putting in all this work and you're being committed to the work, I don't mean you're lollygagging with the work and you're playing with the work. I mean you're really, really, truly being intentional with the work. And nothing is changing. Check your circle. Check your family. Check your friends. And I'm just going to let that sizzle in your spirit as we go on to the next point. So, also, I would suggest that you find support. Sometimes it's hard to ask for help. I'm one of those people. Because I'm usually the, per the person that people go to for help. So, when I need help, it's like, ooh... Mm. Let's see, do I want to call my mom? Do I want to text my therapist for an emergency session? Do I really want to pay another co-payment this week? You know, these are things that I'm going over with myself in my mind as I need help from time to time. But find support, family, friends, church, support groups, or counselors. But I will put this out there about seeking wise counsel. You cannot ask anybody for help. And by anybody, I know that was a very vague word to use, but when I say anybody, I just don't mean a random person off the street. When I say anybody, anybody could be your mom, your dad, your spouse, your sister friends, your you know, your good, good girlfriends, your siblings, your cousins. Because even though they have good intentions and they want what's best for you, they may not be the best person to help you with that situation. For me specifically, I've gone through more than the average person my age 
in various areas of my life. So there's not a lot of people friend-wise in my life that can help me with certain situations because they don't have the richness of life that I have. They don't possess the knowledge and the wisdom that I have. So it's no offense, but you just can't help me. I need someone who is rich in life experiences, who is rich in knowledge and can guide me as a wise counsel. You can love me and want what's best for me, but it doesn't mean that you can help me through my situation. So choosing wise counsel can bless your life. It can change your life if you know who to go to. Sometimes your parents aren't the best person for advice. Um, I've said this on my personal Instagram before. You know, I'll be married 13 years this year. My mom just got married in 2016. Um... So I, I couldn't go to my mom for marital advice because she had no advice to give me. However, some people will still ask their mom just because it's their mom. And that's no offense. Mothers, as mothers, we are legit like super women and we are superheroes and we possess a lot of knowledge and we have that nurturing side of us. But my mom can't advise me on something that she has not successfully done. So can we stop doing that? The role or the title that someone has in your life does not automatically subject them to being the best person to seek advice or guidance from. Okay? Okay. Also, you should ignore internal and external judgments. Now, we all know that constructive criticism is necessary. We all need it. But don't allow the standards of society to dictate who you are, who you should be, who you're not. You have to block out all of the noise, all of the negativity, all the derogatory statements made by yourself to yourself or from others to yourself. You can't allow those things to penetrate your healing place. Shut it out. Constructive criticism always is necessary. But when you're constantly getting derogatory um, feedback, when you're constantly just having negativity around you, those things have to be shut out from your healing place because your healing place needs water and sunlight and nurturing. Like you ever notice people who have a lot of plants, they'll tell you, I talk to my plants. I don't just water them and make sure that they receive a lot of sunlight, but I actually talk to my plants every day. So if talking to your plants is a way to ensure that they grow healthy and they multiply and they're full and beautiful, if you're constantly being spoken to negatively, what is that doing to your healing? What is that doing to your growth? What is that doing to your identity? Think about it. Lastly, I suggest that you find joy. Literally search for joy every single day of your life. Some people are walking through unfathomable events. Like I've been through some things in my life, but I know people who are going through more. And it's like, what do you mean search for joy? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what I'm up against? Do you know what I've lost? And one thing that I've learned in therapy, because I will always go into my therapy sessions with all the things that were breaking me, and I will always say at the end, oh, it could always be worse. And my therapist said, what do you mean when you say that? I said, because, you know, I'm going through X, Y, and Z, but somebody else is going through A, B, and C, and their situation is worse. And she said, yes, their situation may be worse, but it does not diminish your situation. Your situation is real and it affects you. So don't minimize what you're going through by saying it could be worse. Yes, it could be, but the thing that you're going through is real. So what she taught me to do was to search for joy. 
regardless of what you're going through, how awful it is, how terrible it is, even if you can't see the light, the sun anywhere in sight right now, trust me, the sun will shine again. If you are going through a situation and it is rocking you to your core, it is shaking you to your core, you are just done. You feel like you may never recover from this, but you walk outside and you hear the birds chirping. That's joy. You can hear the sound of the birds chirping. That's joy. Spring is here. Outside of the pollen and the allergies, spring is a beautiful time of year. If you can walk outside and see how the trees are coming back alive and how the flowers are blooming, that's joy. If you are randomly walking through the mall and you can hear a baby's laughter, that is joy. If your children say, Mommy, I love you, that's joy. You can always find pieces and glimpses of joy regardless of what you're going through. Despite your situation, search for joy. Start a joy journal. This is something that Oprah um, said. Wow, it's been, it's been a while ago now and it encouraged me to do the same. Because sometimes you can just be so set on everything bad that's happening in your life. And it's like, oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. Oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. And it's all bad. I promise you, if you keep, she called it a grateful journal, I believe. If you just write down everything that you're grateful for each day, just find something that you're grateful for each day. Just write down something that brings you joy, that brings you happiness, that brings you peace. On those days that you're completely overwhelmed by um bad things happening in your life, flip through that grateful journal and watch your environment shift. It will literally change because you're going to be reading all of these things that you're grateful for, all of these things that bring you joy. And it's going to set the tone for you. So this week was not easy because... For me, it was very personal, and I'm actually still on my healing journey. Um, it's been a process. But when I thought about our affirmation for this week, I felt that it should be really simple. And I felt that it should be, I am enough. I don't think that needs further explanation. I think it's something that you should repeat to yourself multiple times throughout the day, every day of your life for the rest of your life. I am enough. Despite the divorce, I'm enough. Despite the cancer, I'm enough. Despite the issues that my children are having, I am enough. Despite my mental health, I am enough. Despite whatever you're going through, know that you are enough. That is our affirmation for this week. Recite it. Repeat it. Get it down in your spirit until you believe it. Don't just say it. I want you to believe it. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, each week we're planting lavender seeds. Because we're going to water them. We're going to nurture them. We're going to talk to our plants and we're going to watch them grow. So those are also our, our seeds of intention. We're going to be intentional with this specific thing for the next seven days. So today is Wednesday, April 31st, and it is also the month anniversary of our beloved ancestor, Ermius Ashkodom professionally known as Nipsey Hussle. Just wanted to throw that out there. I have a short episode on him um, as well. That episode is called I Have Something to Say if you want to go back and listen to that one. But on this day of April 31 of 2019, for the next seven days, we are going to water and nurture and speak to the following seed. And that seed is remembrance. Yep, you heard me right. There's no sound issue. There's no, oops, I said the wrong word. The word is remembrance. If you 
grew up in church, especially a Baptist church, you know this word. Um, you would usually say it as you are partaking in communion. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, but this is why I chose this word. Remembrance is the act of remembering the dead. With everything that we've talked about in this episode, the pieces of us that we left behind when life got hard and when that trauma hit and how we assumed other identities in order to mask what was really going on in our lives, remembrance was so befitting for this week. I encourage you to remember the parts of you that no longer live. Remember the parts of you that are dead. Honor them. Because some parts of us, we died when we left them so long ago. Then there are other parts of us that are just waiting to be claimed. They are sitting there They've been in our corner the whole time, kind of being that little voice in the back of your head. And you're just like, oh, I don't even know where that came from. So remembrance. Remember the parts of you that are dead. Remember the parts of you that you left behind when you assumed the altered identity of yourself. And commit to going back and picking up those broken pieces of yourself so that you can evolve into the truest version of yourself. No more fronts, no more facades, no more imposter syndrome, identity crisis. You need to pick up the phone and call the fraud line on yourself. We are not going to be walking billboards for fraud anymore. We are going to be true to who we are. We're going to walk in purpose and in light. We're going to help heal others along the way. And you can't help everybody, okay? Don't take on that task. It is too big. It will swallow you whole and eat you alive. You cannot help everybody. But those that you can help, please try. And help isn't always a big, grand occurrence. Help could be something as small as, girl, you want me to pick up? You have some from daycare so that you can go straight home. Sometimes help is, I'm headed to the grocery store. I know you've had a rough week. Can I pick up a few things for you? Do you have enough food to make it through the week? And sometimes help is, girl, I'm on my way over with vegan ice cream because I'm partially vegan. I'm vegan in my head. Um, I am a pescatarian slash vegetarian slash vegan. So just combine all of those together and that's what I am. Sometimes it's picking up the phone and saying, girl, I'm headed to your house with some vegan ice cream and we about to watch Netflix because I found this show and it's popping. Sometimes help can look like that. Help does not have to be grand scale all the time. And sometimes it is on a larger scale. But as Lavender Women, we're going to commit to healing ourselves and then we're going to commit to taking others on this journey with us. Sharing what we've learned along the way, sharing the knowledge that we've picked up and that has been poured into us. So this is going to be one of two maybe three episodes that are going to be just dealing with healing and self and also mental health. And they're not easy topics to discuss, but I will be lying to you right now 
if I said I didn't feel even a little bit more free from just hosting this episode with you. Like, the healing journey is so real, you guys. It's so real and it's so necessary. As I stated back when I was going over the meme that I found that connected to this week's topic, me and that girlfriend, we are fasting on Mondays, okay? Every Monday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are fasting. We are journaling throughout the day. We are praying. We are meditating on Mondays. And we are breaking that fast on Mondays with only fruits and vegetables. I encourage any of my ladies and my men too, because men do listen to this podcast, that if you want to join us on this fast, please do. It's every single Monday. We'll be doing it for some time. Um, I'll let you know when we plan to wrap it up. But every Monday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., um, we are fasting, so we are consuming water water only. We are journaling, praying, and meditating during our 12-hour fast. And we are breaking our fast on Mondays with only fruit and vegetables on that day. Our, like our goal, our objective for this particular fast is growing. That's like the word that came to us, and it's the word that keeps resurfacing. This is our, our growing season, and sometimes your season of growing is not just for you to see the benefits and, and to reap the harvest and to see the actual um, harvest that you planted a few seasons ago. Sometimes your growing season comes with growing pains, and growing pains are real. So sometimes your growing isn't always something that looks good and feels good. Sometimes your growing is something that can be painful. But you grow through what you go through. So be encouraged. Repeat and recite your affirmation until you believe it, until you get it down in your spirit. I am enough. And don't forget to plant your seed of intention this week. Your lavender seed for the week is remembrance. Plant that seed, water it, nurture it, talk to it. It is always a joy and a pleasure and an honor that I get to do this with women. Until next week, always know that love and light follows you. There's nowhere you can go. There's nothing that you can do that will prevent love and light from finding you. I love you. Peace.